Welcome to the special edition of the Farmers Inside Track podcast, proudly brought to you by Food Firm Zanzi. If you are one of our regular listeners from across the globe, you will know that we usually release a new episode every Wednesday. But today we are bringing you breaking news. Hello, South Africa. My name is Dawn Numdu and I'm the editor of South Africa's leading agricultural lifestyle and news platform. I am joined by journalist Duncan Masiwa. Yes, today Food for Mzanzi speaks exclusively to Toko Didiza, the Minister of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development. In the last 70 days of South Africa's COVID-19 lockdown, she has been at the forefront of efforts to sustain food security in the country. Of course, there is still uncertainty about agriculture's future beyond the pandemic. And many farmers seem to be getting restless because they are still waiting on payouts for the COVID-19 Agriculture Relief Fund. Stay tuned. Food for Mzanzi's co-founder, Ivor Price, speaks to Minister Toko Didiza directly after this. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Now on to Food for Mzansi's exclusive interview with Tokodi Diza, the Minister of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development. She joins us from a lockdown location in Pretoria. Thanks for joining us and happy belated birthday, Minister. How was your day? It was fine, normal working day, but at least at night the children spoiled me. They bought me a cake and cooked nice dinner for me. Oh, that's great. I know many of the farmers, just judging from social media, they were sending you happy birthday shout-outs on, I saw some on Twitter and Facebook <laughs> as well. So, Minister, firstly, thank you for your leadership during this pandemic, especially in the agricultural sector. We can imagine that this has been a particularly difficult time for you and your department, not so? Well, let me say one of the things that the pandemic has actually put much more bluntly, it's the duality of our agricultural sector, which still remains a challenge that we are working towards. You will note that the impact to the agricultural sector was across the board because even those that are commercially viable could not be able to export all their produce as they would require because a number of countries, in terms of their containment strategy, had actually had lockdowns themselves. Some of the countries, though, they were able to open up for essential goods, which included food. So in the region, we've been able to export the food as we've been doing. But also locally, the challenge has been that a number of farmers who actually rely in terms of their client, you know, the tourism industry, the restaurants and so on, have been severely impacted upon. Your floriculture people in the flower industry, they could not be able to export particularly to some of the destinations. Even locally, for some time, even your normal retail shops that were opened, did not sell your flowers. So those were part of the constraint. Worst of it all, in communal areas where some of the people walk to the fields and 
need certain things and the cities were not able to actually have easy movement. Also, with regards to the linkage between the fresh produce market and the hawkers and the traders, you recall that in level five, before it was enhanced, traders were not operating. So that was actually a challenge on those people who are part of your chain in agriculture, like your people with small parties who usually assist the hawkers, you know, to go to the market and buy for them, were severely impacted upon. But I must say that why do you have that challenge? The fact that the agricultural sector was not actually closed completely, even during a late level five of our lockdown, you still have the activity continuing. In our agricultural calendar, you had during that period harvesting that was taking place on the table grapes, on the wine grapes, on apples, avocado, and citrus. So those activities actually continued. We did have part of the challenge in terms of some of the farmers who rely on seasonal labor, that they were not able to source some of their labor. Well, some of them actually come from our neighboring countries. Given the curtailment of movement, there was a challenge. But also you know that the intra-provincial movement was also curtailed. So some of the seasonal workers who come from other provinces and actually work seasonally in other provinces also were impacted upon. But the other reality was that those from Eastern Cape to Western Cape, when they had to go back, they actually had serious challenges, some of them. So there has been varied and uneven impact that has been felt by the industry. The reduction of numbers in the transport sector did also affect some of the farmers because a lot of farmers don't actually use your kumbis for transporting their farm workers to the fields. They actually use a lot of trucks, so they couldn't actually implement the social distancing as is required by law. And you remember that at that time, 70% was allowed. We even had a very sad situation in the Western Cape where the movement of farm workers to their place of work was impacted upon negatively when that accident took place and some of them, six of them actually lost their lives. That sounds incredibly intense, Minister, and I have no idea how we will be able to recover after this. Do you believe that somehow there's a brighter future for South African agriculture beyond COVID-19? I actually think there will be. People are still going to eat. (laughs) That's for sure. There will be obviously some restructuring that has to happen. We also need to make sure that as part of the recovery, we retain our market share where we've been exporting to, but we might need to look at other market access opportunities in other countries. And we know it might be difficult because some of the countries are going to institute measures to protect their local economy, and those issues may actually create a problem. Minister, those exact issues were actually raised at a joint meeting early last month, if I remember correctly, when your peers, agriculture ministers from G20 countries, met virtually. And I remember that the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations said that COVID-19 actually also threatens global food security and that it must be alleviated by ensuring 
supply chains. Supply chains are now disrupted, Minister. That was one of our concerns, that while we understand the initial lockdown by countries on the containment strategy of this pandemic, but others may actually use that as a guise for protectionism, actually lose the gains that we made through the World Trade Organization. So it's one of the issues that we would also be watching carefully. But at the same time, it's important for us to look at how we do not lose the implementation calendar of the Africa continental trade area, because that also offers us better opportunities for the export market in our own continent beyond our SADC region, for instance. These opportunities, in my view, are still going to be what we can take advantage of as part of the recovery plan. But it also means, as a country, we really need to look at household food security. How can we actually re-energize our people to produce food for themselves? so that we do not become a society that is nationally food secure, but you have got the challenges of insecurity at household level, particularly in our rural areas and the informal sector. We also need to make sure that we strengthen our food systems such that you know the availability and the affordability of food is actually realized by our consumers. It also means, in my view, as a state in particular working with our private sector, we need to revitalize agriculture in the country. There's a lot of land that has been transferred to communities as a result of restitution, some of it through the proactive land acquisition where people are leasing land from the state. Where we have been lacking, in my view, we've never actually had a very coordinated post-settlement support program so that those farmers who receive land can actually be assisted in the first instance to put it to production. Minister, shouldn't we also be looking at how we can revitalize agriculture in particularly communal areas beyond COVID-19? The pandemic has also revealed the urgent need there. Those people in the communal areas do have land, but what they may not have access to is the implements, is the input supply for them to be able to be supported in utilizing their land and the storage capacity to deal with issues of wastage. The fault lines of our past become very clear. You can see that the agricultural infrastructure were in those areas that I would call, quote-unquote, the former Republic of South Africa. And in your homeland and the self-governing territories, there was very little infrastructure except your small irrigation scheme that were far and in between, which did not serve the entirety of the community. So my view is, yes, with the gains that were made in the past 25 years, there's still more that we can still do in the agricultural sector to revitalize the sector so that it can contribute towards food security at national level and also be able to play a part in the economy through its export. And one thing that is good at the moment is that even government, the sixth administration, president is among the priorities on how to revitalize the economy. Agriculture is at the center. So we are actually in a better position in my view 
not just post-COVID, but also economic revival of our country, agriculture is at the center. Minister, it's very inspiring that you've clearly done a lot of thought about the future beyond COVID-19 and how we can use a pandemic to reposition agriculture for the better. How do you see organized agriculture's contribution to the new face of South African agriculture? You know, one of the things that, in my view, we need to encourage is social cohesion amongst our people. And you can see it's there. It's just that sometimes they've got one or two of fed apples that actually mar the goodwill that exists in our country. And I therefore think post-COVID-19, we've got an opportunity among established and developing farmers to really build a stronger network of a united agricultural sector in South Africa so that we can appreciate that you've got an inclusive system that allows for different levels of participation in the sector. And what for me becomes important is how to build this value chain. And I'll use an example of the intervention that we made as government towards supporting smallholder farmers during this COVID period. One of the things that came clear with the amount of applications that we received is that there are many people who are producing in our country at a small scale level because we use the criteria of a turnover of 20,000 to a million per year. What that 50,000 tells you is that you have got a majority of South Africans who are operating within that band. They do contribute to food security. Some of them are even contributing to the economy because they are already selling and participating in the market economy. But what became very clear is that we don't have enough data to be able to know that Togo is producing and is producing in this region and at this scale. That's why for me, the project that was started by my predecessor, Minister Zogwana, on the farmer register, it's a very important one because it will tell us the pool and the scale of operation of the farmers that we have across the country. But also, clear linkages with commodity organizations become easier because once you know that there are so many people in these areas who are farming on fruit, you can actually link them with Fruit South Africa. If you know that there are so many people who are in the maize production, you can link them with Grain South Africa. So it actually also enables us to build these linkages between those who are already established and those who are developing. It also tells us where can we put our energies as a state in terms of infrastructure development. For instance, take an area like Northwest. There are some silos that were built by the then Boputaswana government, which are now lying fallow. And that infrastructure is still very solid. How can we actually use that infrastructure as an anchor to actually activate maize production and other grains in that region, for instance? Part of the work that we're doing now in developing an agricultural sector plan will actually enable us to have a common vision as the agricultural sector of South Africa, small, big, and medium, 
to say this is where we want to go and how do we graduate? Minister, it is clear that there's a lot of work to be done to redesign agriculture for, I guess, a new future post this pandemic. But do we have all the policies, the right policies in place to enable your vision for agriculture? During the Interministerial Committee last year, for instance, we actually tabled a policy direction which has been agreed to by Cabinet on how we can actually build a support system of all farmers in the country different, given their different levels. Some of them, like your mega or bigger farmers, you may not need to support them with any financial grant support. But it's how to actually ensure that we have got a viable financing system in the country that can actually be tapped upon by those farmers. But also as government, we can actually work with those farmers as we do already now to create market access opportunities in the different countries for their export. So the forms of support may vary, but those that are still very little and they are emerging, that's where your grant system, a lot of technical support is still required. You know, you might need to intervene there. In other levels, like your medium farmers, they may still require a bit of a grant, but also a bit of a loan, so that you've got a blended financing mechanism to support those farmers. So my view is there is a possibility, but also there is goodwill, and we must tap upon it and actually ensure that this sector moves together as a system. Minister, I must say that at Food for Mzansi, we do share your vision for agriculture and particularly that agriculture has the power to create social cohesion. And it's great to hear that commodity organizations formalize agriculture. And I think the media also has a role to play, Minister. How do you see that? Hmm. I think the media has a role to play at various levels. One, it's educational. And educational moves beyond just talking about the sector in terms of how you can produce, where you can produce, and so on. But also it's about sharing the good story, unearthing good work that is happening at local level, and bring it to the fore so that when you encourage those who want to get into the sector to learn from those that are there. I like your story on Kosanam Dambo, for instance. It sure feels great to hear that you are following our work at Food for Mzansi, Minister. You are referring to our article on a free state farmer in Kosanam Tambu who has managed to turn a piece of land he received for his 21st birthday into a booming business. And then he also pledged a hundred thousand rand to the COVID-19 relief fund. What do you believe is the bigger role stories such as our Kosana story can play in South Africa and in agriculture? What that does is that there may have been young people who love agriculture but are a bit scared of entering into it because they think it's either a hard job, you stay alone in a farmland area as a farmer, issues of security, what do you do? But if you look at Nkosana and what he has been able to achieve as a young person, other young people are going to become interested in getting into the agricultural sector because of what they've seen from Zanzi. But I know Zanzi also engaged in writing about some of the challenges that are there in the sector.
also the role that the media can play is to also be a watchdog, if I will call it that way, where some of the things as government, we may not see how our policy intervention actually land on the ground. And at times, media can be able to say to us, but government, this is what we have done, and we think there is this weakness here because of what we've seen. So that it also helps us to strengthen our own system. So for me, the media has a very important role to play, not only being critical, but also being educational and, you know, profiling the agricultural sector as an important sector of our economy. I always play, you know, when I talk to people, a lot of people, when they eat an egg, they think an egg comes from pick and pay. Particularly the younger people who are not exposed in farming. They do not actually understand that that chicken has to be farmed, has to be looked after, both in terms of its animal health and also ensuring that it eats well so that it can produce good eggs. If you wear a shirt, for instance, that shirt comes from cotton, which is an agricultural commodity. But how many people know that linkage between the farm, the processing of cotton at the end of the day when cotton is actually made in the factory? Agriculture, you know, is normally an important sector of the economy because you have got services, you have got IT, well and good. All of those sectors have a place in the economy, but agriculture remains a base and a multifunctional sector that not only gives you food, but also it's a base for industrialization. You're listening to Farmers Inside Track and we are joined exclusively by Toko Didiza, the Minister of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, speaking exclusively to Food from Zansi. Stay tuned because directly after this, we are asking her about payouts to the farmers who applied for the COVID-19 Agriculture Relief Fund. Yes, Gotham, ha. You have no idea how much I miss your meals now that Sengi Seres. You know, Nganyami, with grain-filled chickens, it'll be like you back home every time we peg. Gampela, ma. Grain-filled chickens. That has been beneficial to Uncle Mnyaga. Hey, I want from now on eat grain-filled chicken. This is on top of my grocery list. Frozen, fresh, and marinated chicken for me to choose from. Hey, you may have the secret, but mommy still cooks best. How good am I? Grain-filled chickens. Quality South African chicken. Bring home the taste. Thank you, Minister. Before we get to two surprise quirky questions, as we always do in our podcast interviews, has the department finalized applications for the COVID-19 Agriculture Relief Fund? At the last media briefing that was nearly three weeks ago, you reported that of the 55,000 farmer applications, only 15,000 were successful in the end. Is the application process completed and have the successful farmers received their relief vouchers yet? We have already finalized the application. We've done the verification of data, which has actually reduced the number because what we found was that on that 15,000 applications that were approved, some of them were actually duplications, which were not quite obvious in the beginning. It's when we're processing the vouchers where you find that 
two people may be sharing one ID, or you find that in some instances, by mistake, there was a duplication of names. So we had to clean that data. So we are already processing the vouchers, and as we process, we send them to the provinces for the farmers to collect. Food for Mzansi will be sure to reveal that new information to South Africa Minister. What is the final number then of successful applications if it is no longer 15,000? With the cleaning of data, we are at 14,675. Thank you for that information, Minister. As is customary in our podcast interviews, we always end with two fun questions that comes from the younger journalists at Food for Mzansi. And General Duncan Masiwa says, I must ask the Minister... What is your biggest dance move? <laughs> well, do I have any? I don't know. My son is a hip-hop dancer. <laughs> he does a lot of training and conducts classes for young dancers. So I learn a little bit from him. We can't wait to see your move. And the last <laughs> question comes from editor Dawn Numbe. She's asking, what's the one thing that you will always refuse to share? One thing that I've always refused to share? Yes, anything. It could be a cup of coffee, it could be a donut. I don't know, it could be a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm I'm not sure, actually. Well, we'll give you some time to think about that question. Thank you for joining us, Minister. You are great. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Toka Didiza, the Minister of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, speaking exclusively to Food for Mzanzi's co-founder, Ivor Price. For daily inspirational stories from the farms and agribusinesses who feed South Africa, stay tuned to foodformzanzi.co.za. Dawn, that brings us to the end of this special episode. That's right, Duncan. If this was your first time tuning into our Farmers Inside Track podcast, remember that we also have a wealth of other inspirational podcast interviews on just about all of the world's favorite platforms. This includes Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. While you are here, also check out episode 28. It features permaculturalist Ludwig Majiza, who gave up a top city job to revive agriculture in his ancestral home. And NAMC Chief Economist Dr. Sefiso Ntombela explains what Level 3 means for farmers. The episode also features the co-founder of the Bee Academy, Mbali Ngobo. While our farmers have selected Working Through the Barriers to Success by author Sobusiso Molimi as the book of the week. Plus, you can look forward to the AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the fruit and vegetable markets with Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. From me, Duncan Masiwa. And from me, Numdu. stay safe and please keep on flying the flag for all our farmers who are feeding the nation during this difficult time. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track Podcast, supported by Food Form Zanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? 
We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.